Traveling the Vortex We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode 557, where we're being incarcerated in a Dalek amusement park. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's it going? Pretty good. This is a much cooler Dalek amusement park than that Dalek world with the with the big giant Dalek and the glass dome and the <laughs> virtual reality stuff. <laughs> this is more authentic. Yeah. <laughs> no candy floss here. Right. <laughs> How you guys been? Doing anything uh, fun this week? Watch anything this week? I finished Secret Invasion. Mm, so did I. Yeah. It kind of went out with a whimper, in my opinion. Yes, I completely it agree. It started so strong, um, and it was so good, and then it kind of just reverts to form It and meanders. Yeah. I, I will say that I still have three episodes left, so... I uh, sort of think it's more... a little. It's more like a hill. It kind of just... It, it doesn't even, like, drop off at the end. It just kind of seemed like diminishing returns, and then, yeah, the, the, the end of it was kind of kind of lame. But we did watch the um, trailer for Loki season two, and it looks pretty good. So, I saw that that release. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Looks good. You said you had three more left, uh, Sean. Yes. Okay. So we're at that halfway point. Well, that last episode's only thirty-eight minutes. <laughs> They've all were short. What is up with I that? Uh, yeah, I think most of them were in the forties, though, weren't they? But for the finale, I thought for sure it'd be longer. You'd think. Yeah. Well, actually, after seeing it, no, well, no, yeah, obviously, there's but it, a reason for that. It sort of felt like this isn't spoiling anything, but it sort of felt like they there was pieces missing, and I don't mean like obvious glaring. It's just that something felt like they had done maybe some edits into it to to shorten yeah, it up. Not, at the not end of episode up, five, going yeah, at the end of episode five, going into the finale, I was like, uh, this has been fairly good, mm-hmm. and I've enjoyed it, and I want more exploration of what's going on here. And knowing we were going into the finale, and once we got to the finale, we just didn't get any of that mm-hmm. stuff that I wanted. It was just a typical finale, and I was like, okay, well, that's over. Wasted potential. Well, we'll have to wait for Loki. Comes out in October, October sixth, I think it said. So we'll see. That's Loki, 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 Loki. <laughs> well, Sean, what were, what were you going to say? I was just going to mention that I, I had mentioned off uh, mic that I had finished uh, Tetris. And uh, we'll echo Glenn's sentiments that it was very good and surprisingly entertaining for a movie that uh, <laughs> deals with the economics of purchasing video game rights <laughs> in the 80s. Uh, but um, I just, I think I really, really like Taron Egerton as an actor. Yeah, he's I when pretty much liked everything he's done. Well, that's so. just it. He's one of those actors. The first time I saw him, I thought it was, he was going to be one note, but boy, he's got a range. Yeah, he really does. I mean, the man became Elton John. I'm mm-hmm. still kind of miffed about the Academy's uh, lack of award nominations mm-hmm. on that one. But no, it's very good. If you get the opportunity, definitely check that one out. And then we uh, very excited. We have our tickets for Barbenheimer, the movie event of the year. We're going tomorrow. Double feature. <laughs> I think at this point, I'm going to wait till they're on streaming. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch them both the same day. <laughs> the, way, the way things have been going, you may not have too long to wait. No, that's probably true. That's true. Although um, it, Barbie was number one at the box office again this week. And Oppenheimer was number two again. Yeah, so. Completely trounced um, whatever the Disney offering that came out. What was it? Uh, oh, Haunted, Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion, yeah. 
which is too bad because it looks like an improvement over that 1990s one. I said we just we just watched the Eddie Murphy one this week as part of our let's watch a whole bunch of Disney movies to get ready to go to Disney World, and I had never actually seen it. Um, and Mel was like, mm, "I'll talk to you after." Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Okay," and then it ended, and she goes, "Well," and I was like. I didn't hate it, but I don't know that I really liked it. It was yeah. just kind of there. It's not you know? horrible, but I just think I think it's they, very bland. They missed the mark with Eddie Murphy because he was in that kind of zone where I think he wanted to do more serious roles, but then it really kind of feels like he's trying too hard, and so yeah, it didn't very quite much work. So. Didn't quite work. Well, you're probably just better off watching Muppet, uh, the Muppet version. Yeah, I like that one. It's fun. Holly and I watched the first two episodes of um, Good Omens season two, which is really off to a great start. We're really enjoying it. So, and no idea where this one's going because the first one was based on the book, which I had read. <laughs> this one, I have no idea where we're going. <laughs> Although there was a, I think the first episode had a piece that was in that they, I think they lifted from the the book that wasn't used in the first one. But beyond that, it's mm-hmm. been all brand new stuff. And it feels like we're getting a lot more of uh, Tenet and um, uh, Sheen. Yes, thank you, Sheen. That apparently was the plan mm-hmm. from the get-go. <laughs> yeah. so. That's the whole reason. To, I mean, Good Omens as a story was good and enjoyable, but they stole the show. Yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. In, in the first season. So if you're going to do it, you have to have more of those. Quite, two. quite, mm-hmm. quite wisely, Neil Gaiman and the showrunners went, this is what works. <laughs> Oh, and um, I mean, there's three seasons of stage that prove that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, well, I don't know if I want to spoil this. I mean, it's it's a actor that shows up that I was like, oh, <laughs> surprising, <laughs> surprising, but not so surprising, I suppose. But hmm. I don't know whether I want to say I want to know if we, you guys should I should just let you guys watch it and you guys be surprised by it because I was. I think I heard that. Oh, you you say so you probably know then. I I I think I think I know. Yeah. If it's I think I might be in the know. Ah. Is anybody watching that uh, 1982 greatest geek year ever? I watched the first one. And absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's right up all. it's right up my alley though. <laughs> it's a uh, four-part documentary series on CW, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh but it's just kind of exploring how 1982 was you know such a gargantuan year for stuff that has become very steeped in geek culture because it was the summer that et and poltergeist and star trek 2 the wrath of khan and blade runner and the thing and i mean just on and on and on and on and on yeah i couldn't believe i i when i was watching i couldn't believe they kept it was movie after movie after movie after movie and i was like like yeah i guess all these did come out that year So that's uh, the first one is uh, Summer Spielberg, which covers E.T. and Poltergeist, mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty wonderful. And I'm Was about it? halfway through episode two now. They just got done talking about uh, Wrath of Khan. So. Mm. Wasn't Tron in that year, too? Tron was that year. <clears throat> one of the Rambos. Yeah, that's the only one I've watched so far, so I've got the rest of the series to go. But Anything else? We finished The Rookie, season uh five what are we up to oh, now you're, you're behind <laughs> well you know we kind of spread that one out and we were we we're actually doing the alternating between the rookie and the rookie feds oh. so we, we still have the finale of rookie feds to watch but I've uh, said holy it before. crap what an ending for what an ending for the rookie Oof. 
I've said it before and I'll say it again. If it's been five years, he's not a rookie anymore. I know more. And they kind of go into that. Training other people. (laughs) Other rookies, huh? Other rookies. Other rookies come on the show. Ah, okay. He's he's still the rookie training officer of the group. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit. And every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. Well, should we move on to some news? Oh, we don't have any news. <laughs> Let's not, because we don't have any. <laughs> I, I forgot. I, I literally was thinking, okay, next section, news. Well, no news. That's it's probably just in. Doctor Who is still not on. <laughs> That's probably good, because we've got a lot, of, a lot of reviews to tackle this week. So we're going to start off by uh, reviewing the most recent Once and Future, A Genius for War, featuring uh, Sylvester McCoy in the role this time. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Once and Future, a genius for war. This is Davros calling Gallifrey. Repeat, this is Davros calling Gallifrey. The General, I have been appointed to conduct your briefing. I was in the middle of something, you know. But no, pluck me out of time, drag me halfway across the universe without so much as a bio leave. We wouldn't use the time scoop to bring you here unless your presence was absolutely unavoidable. The Dalek Emperor has accused me of treason. I trust Davros about as far as I could throw him. Instead, I have been incarcerated on Falcus, the first moon of Scardo. He must be desperate. Liberate me from captivity and I will help you defeat the Daleks you think it's a trap I wish to be rescued by the time lord known as the doctor so now I know why I'm here to save Davros well let's get going shall we Dalek units to disembark and secure Falcus Morn. The Matrix has predicted the time war can only end with mutual extinction. You can appreciate that we are eager to avoid that outcome. The Matrix can be wrong. The Matrix predicted the war. The TARDIS passed through a temporal breach. I offer you the means to end the time war. I offer you victory. Big finish. For the love of stories. Your appearance corresponds with the Time Lord known as the Doctor. You are the enemy of the Daleks! It's the first line on my CV. Current deployment. The oncoming storm. Well, 
In the midst of the Time War, <laughs> the Time Lords have received a communication from Falcus, the prison moon of Scarrow. Its sole inmate, Davros, wishes to make them an offer. He will help them win the Time War, but only if the Doctor comes to his rescue. You gotta cut that out, man. <laughs> you completely <laughs> clip out your mic. <laughs> it sounds like you're having like an I don't know an aneurysm or something. Or or at the very least, worst, Skype is just not cooperating. <laughs> right. Yeah. A very strong bump, bump, bump. Yeah, I could tell. Yeah. Well, then you should go first, Sean. What wasn't to like about this one? I just if the the entire premise with with, with these things I, I've been a little on the eh you know because of the premise mm-hmm. the, the 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 doctor's DNA is regressing and he's de degenerating and it seemed like a gimmicky excuse to throw a, a multi-doctor anniversary celebration and this one finally takes that and does something with it yeah, that's it integral becomes, to the plot of this story. Does and I didn't a, see it coming until it happened. Yeah, it it was become, so cool. It does become finally part of the uh, plot. Although not a huge part, but a necessary part. A very, it becomes the, the resolution of the mm, plot. Yeah, a very nifty resolution to it. Um, you know, so of course Davros is Davros, and I love Terry Malloy, and I love the conversational Davros, so much more than the the screaming egomaniacal uh, Davros, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I think we got a lot of conversational Davros in this one, which was mm. great. Yeah, and the idea of this, you know, oh, it's a fully constructed moon. It's artificial. It's in orbit. It looks like a Dalek because it's got sensor spheres all over it. it looks like a Dalek because, well, surprise, because it is a it Dalek. Is. <laughs> and then to find out that, oh, at the, at the center of the planet, there's a giant brain computer that's controlling it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's mm-hmm. cool. Um, even, out- even before that, just the idea that the Daleks would put Davros in this prison where he's getting to still utilize his you know, his faculties isn't just wasting away or putting them into hibernation, but they're kind of distracting him with these college clones that he can lead to a fake war with the, the Thals is a pretty clever idea. seems like a lot of wasted resources, but you know, if there's one thing Daleks don't aren't limited on is resources. Yeah. Well, and that was another thing when we first get to the moon and it, you know, the doctor lands and they start wandering around and all of a sudden section seven's under attack and there's a bombing and the collards and the falls are involved. You're like, what are we, are we, what are we doing? Are, are they somehow, did he get back? Are we doing Genesis again in a different way? And then very quickly into it, they reveal, oh no, this is all just a just simulation to keep them busy because they're too busy doing this and they can't escape. And it's like, Oh, that's actually kind of genius. And so all of, all of the little reveals, the fact that the, the, the falls are all clones. Oh, and Dalek. that, the uh, Daleks the are clones. Yeah, sorry. The, the Cowards are clones. Cowards, there you go, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that, uh, you know, Davros is there and that Davros is willing to give the Time Lords, you know, uh, this, this grand thing that's going to destroy him. Okay, what are you willing to give us? Well, you know, what if we spliced Dalek and Time Lord DNA together? And the general goes, the hybrid. And oh man, I got goosebumps. It was like, oh, we went back to that. Well, it's because now we know why Davros is, what... is 
familiar with the hybrid by the time we get to that Capaldi episode. What a genius, you know, yeah, more of this. I love it when they fill in little holes. And that was kind of a big hole, so it was nice to have a Davros-shaped puzzle piece to mm. fit into that hole. Yep. And then uh, the, the the further reveal that, of course, I mean, it's not really a reveal, it's Davros. Of course he's playing the Time Lords, and he's only doing this so that the Daleks will come back and rescue him and see how valuable he is. But, of course, it's Davros, so that doesn't go as planned. And then the the, the next big reveal that and he says, you know, we're going to do this, and Doctor, it has to be you, and the Doctor agrees. And it's like, okay, what, what's he up to? Because, you know, it's seven. He's always mm-hmm. seven steps ahead of everybody. And by this point, I had forgotten the degeneration aspect of everything mm-hmm. because it hadn't come up again. <laughs> yep. And Becklin had even made that one comment about how, oh, you're stabilized. You know, oh, yeah, fighting my, my oldest foes. Because he's, focus he's focused, the brain. yeah. But then, uh, so he allows Davros to take his genetic material and implant it into this uh, this hybrid. And it doesn't work. And it kills the thing. And I was like, what? He goes, oh, yeah, because I'm degenerating. And, I'm, and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, it just, it, you could have knocked me over with a feather at the moment that reveal happened because it was so well set up and executed and I just didn't see it. Uh, and then to further go on and do it to the planet because yeah. it's a dot like yeah. brain. It's like, oh, this is so awesome. Well, and, and um, I, I like the fact that they also make the point to remind us that Davros won't try that again because he seals it, sees it as a failed experiment or a failed, a failed yeah, experiment. And, but he's unaware. That knowing that, why, yeah, he's unaware not, that yeah. the doctor's re, uh, degenerating now. So yeah, that was kind of cool. And uh, so it just, and I, I don't know why I can't quite make it fit, but something in my brain was tickling away that the idea of this artificial moon of Scaro might hap could have been a way to replace or explain how Scaro came back after it was destroyed by the hand of Omega, and I couldn't quite get there. But it just—it felt like there may be a link there that I'm just not seeing. Mm. Maybe not, but it just—it mm. it just felt like my my brain went. I'm going to file that away because I think that's important for later. Yeah, they may not—they may not need to have to because I think maybe there is some expanded uh, uh, material out there that has dealt with that. So yeah, maybe they felt like they don't need to yet. Or but everybody had moments of greatness. So, everybody had something to do. The the general was fantastic. Oh, uh, Tin Bones is so good. <laughs> <laughs> and his well especially uh, you know, his escape <laughs> yeah <laughs> that yeah. was terrific <laughs> get him close to the tardis so that the guns don't work and then trigger the uh default that that sends the tardis to materialize around the closest time lord very cool the hads hostile yeah. displacement <laughs> yeah but yeah there, there was just so, so many little things that worked in this that overall as a whole it was like this was great I think I would. I, I really enjoyed it. I think I would echo everything you've said about it for the most part. That only the little thing that I had a problem with, and it's really kind of minor, is that Davros is getting the Time Lords to rescue him, only to lead the Daleks to capture him. That seemed unnecessary. It's a little overly convoluted, right? Because it's it's said later in the audio that he did it to give the Daleks a chance to basically get on and in on his plan. But didn't his plan ultimately mean that there was going to be like a new quote-unquote time species that was going to replace both sides anyway. So he didn't need the Daleks at that point because he was already going to use his own DNA. All he needed was to trick the Doctor to get his, and he could have just done that when the Doctor was there the first time. 
Well, and so see, this so big reveal I, that he had this all planned out and that he was already utilizing this facility. I mean, it, it, it just, he had the doctor there already once. I just think he could have just done it then, but I don't know. I got the impression that from what I remember of it also, it seemed like he didn't confirm the fact that he had it fully planned out and that he was planning, needing the Daleks to come rescue him again, to get him back to the station that he was just taking advantage of the situation to try to sell it to them. Yeah. And then go back. Not so much that he had planned for them to do that. He yeah. But just saw an opportunity to use it, but the, the but felt like it wasn't part of his full master plan. It was just getting the doctor and the time Lords to agree to doing this sort yeah, of experiment, which it makes sense. But the, the problem that I have is he, if he, even if he says, okay, well now I'll use this to my benefit to try to get the Daleks to, you know, agree to this, but he didn't need the Daleks to agree with it because ultimately the plan was to create this new species. So the Daleks were going to be out of the picture anyway. He already had the DNA. So it just seems well, strange think, for I him to the, go there. I think the line is that it's the doctor who is assuming, oh, this was all part of Davros's plan. It's another trap. Well, it was, though. And, and Davros it admits it. But I think the reason for that is... If if he if he gets if he ambushes the doctor at, right off the bat or tricks him or however, however he gets the DNA to create this thing, they're on on Falcus. He is essentially still a prisoner of Falcus. You know that yes, he has control of the computer. Yes, he has control of the Khalids, but he's essentially still a prisoner of the no, Daleks. No, he's, he's not. He's no, no, he's not because Davros already had control of the clone uh, Khalids. That's revealed later. These guys were, right. are, were still on his side. So they really weren't keeping him prisoner. So all he had to do was capture the doctor. And we know that there was the induction field that the that he could have turned on at any time so that the Daleks could not get through because that's what he does. Now, the induction field is turned on afterwards and the Daleks are already in so they can't get out. But he he had control over all that. So... That's my point that when the doctor comes, you could trick the doctor, say, oh, come, come rescue me. And then when the doctor gets there, just employ your, for your, your fallback plan then, because you've got him there. You can extract his DNA and you don't have to go through this runaround. That was my only problem is it felt a little bit convoluted. I, I think, I mean, ultimately they had to tell a story and they had to get the Daleks involved and they had to, you know, set up the exhibition for it. But it just, once we revealed that final plan, I was like, yeah, this could have been the first plan, and then he'd have just been done with it. But uh, maybe he needed, maybe he thought he needed the double feint, otherwise the doctor would have seen through it as a trap. It doesn't matter. I mean, he, it doesn't matter well, though, no, because it does, the, no, he because, actually gets allowed to be taken off Falcor, then the defenses are down on the doctor's end. Yeah, but here, but you're, aha, you're missing, you. oh, you're missing right. the point. He didn't need to he do. He didn't captured need, him and stole. Yeah, him he could have just captured him and taken it from him. I mean. He had control of the colleague drones or uh, clones. He already so he could have just had them capture the doctor and then with it extract the DNA that way. I just I don't know it, that just was a little weak. And I, I I've said it wasn't a big deal, but it, now I'm making a bigger deal out of it than it probably was. But <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's so far there's nothing you can you've said that convinces me that it didn't have to go that way. Other than the fact that it you know. It's a contrivance for the story. <laughs> this much is true. 
But let me let me step back and say again, I, I agree with everything you said. Performances are terrific. I love Davros as the conversationalist and and you know talking about rationalizing a, through a plan instead of yeah the screaming maniacal um, maniac that he sometimes is portrayed as. Yeah, I love that. I loved Sylvester McCoy in this. I loved the general. It was excellent. Becklin seemed kind of just there. She did fine, but she just seemed kind of there. I like though that she's sort of there because she just kind of has to be so that she's you know she's keeping it she's keeping his protect him. well she's she's as much keeping an eye on the doctor as she is protecting him too so yeah that's clever and, and they you know they explain the fact that you know his he his memories messed up because of that so even if you know we we've we've kind of talked off mike that now that they've announced that the 10th doctor is in one of these it kind of we we said, I think, a few weeks back that we kind of suspected that this was happening at least linearly during the Time Lord. And I presume that it's probably the, he's in his eighth incarnation when this degeneration thing started happening. But we'll have to see how that plays out now that apparently the Tenth Doctor is going to be involved in the this, storyline. This story really lends to that idea, too, because, you know, it's a time war and they're conscripting him without his agreements, which is much more in line with the Eighth Doctor as, yeah. it would, as it would have been for the War Doctor. The only the thing War that Doctor probably would have been a little they probably wouldn't have had to use a time scoop to get the War Doctor yeah. to come home with this sort of situation. So that's yeah, that's what I was going to say is they they use the time scoops, which kind of made me think, well, if you're if you're using the time scoop, then maybe this isn't as close to the time war as we thought. On the other hand, they do use that throwaway line, throwaway line of his his memory scrambled because of that. And so that it works out either way. But well, well, what's also kind of strange is from, you know, the general and Becklin's perspective, this is on the heels of restoration of the Daleks where yeah. Avros was thrown in prison, which was an eighth doctor story. So that right. makes sense also. That's true. Yeah. And the name of the series is Once and Future. So they may throw us for a loop with that one. Mm -hmm. That's true. But I, I'll echo again, Sean, what you said about using the, and you both talked about it, using the actual degeneration as part of the story, finally. <laughs> what a great reveal. That's just so, so good. And there were Daleks. So that's an <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I almost wish there was more of it. Like I could have gone for a full four part story with this. Yeah, there was this so much between, you know, Davros and the general and Davros and the doctor. It was there was so much of that great conversational stuff and even just the exploration into the hybrid more, it got me really excited and I was like, It's mm -hmm. over already? No. <laughs> Give me more of this. Yeah. yeah, when they were wrapping up and things were blowing up and Davros <laughs> escapes and I was like, Oh wait, no, you're 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 like done. No, 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 no. You can't be done. I I there this should, should be have been a full hour. Time War box set. <laughs> well, and and this is the uh, we, I mean we we've known because of the first ones that these were kind of shorter stories, but this one really felt short, and I think it's because yeah. it's it's so good and exciting through the whole thing. So, if I have a if I have a complaint, it's the very very ending where Davros lands on Scarrow, and then can't levitate and is immediately set upon by whatever is in the, it's like i don't know that we needed that i mean we we already know davros comes back multiple times mm -hmm. he cheats death every single time you could have just let him go yeah 
because we know he'd be back. You don't have to set him up to die thinking that, oh, maybe they got him this time. No, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, didn't even think he was going to die there. No, no giant clam is going to take him out. Come on. <laughs> Harry Sullivan, maybe, but the, the, the Davros, no. <laughs> I just assumed they were setting up the next thing that Big Finish was going to do with Davros. I suppose that's a possibility. Well, that's Davros what I wondered, too, is if they were placing him somewhere. And maybe they placing him somewhere he needs to be for a story that's already been told that's after this, too. That's possible. Or setting him I'm always waiting for them to set him up for Journey's End. Yeah, yeah. No, this, well, and that's another thing it. I think this did. <laughs> that no, wasn't I, it. no, this wasn't I, it's it. not it, but it, it, I think this was another piece of that. Because in Journey's End, when he pulls his tunic open and he's showing that he's used his own flesh to, to uh, you know, recreate these Daleks, is like this is this is where the genesis of that idea came from. I think. Yeah, maybe so. That's a good point. Yeah. He's like, well, if I can't make the Daleks listen to me, screw it. I'll, I'll create my own Daleks again. <laughs> we are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week, we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Podcast. Well, should we move on to um, our next few Doomsday? We're getting ready to do hours 6 through 7 and 8 through 9, so it'll be... Um, this is Titan's contribution to the Doomsday story, and it's uh, called, a, well, we'll start with A Doctor in the House, Part 1. Using her vortex manipulator, she'll do anything to find a temptuous time traveler, including cavorting with the Maleficent, Missy. Every hour a new adventure, every hour closer to death. Coincidence finds Doom at yet another ball, only this time she's looking for answers as well as her target. But a priceless and dangerous treasure poses her another complication in her final day. These were good. Yeah, I enjoyed them mostly because of Missy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think and I I think we talked about this off mic. We certainly wouldn't have probably said anything about this on mic, or maybe I kind of alluded to it. But um, the thing that I thought was interesting is that this story we're at another ball, which the the um they obviously acknowledged that in that um, synopsis you were <laughs> reading there but she's back at another ball and then she ends up back at storm cage again later and i think okay did somebody get their lines crossed and titan thought that they were doing this <laughs> and the um uh because james goss's story which kicks everything off when she that, that when we find out that she's dying, she's at a ball. And then this time she's decided, I guess, just to do away with the uh, um, digital dress or the hologram dress, because this was just her with a, a cape over it's her. A, it's, a, it's a masquerade ball. Yeah. Well, so was the last one. <laughs> so, well, a yeah, no, the last one. Assassinations take places at balls. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the last one. Was, but then she's up in Storm Cage and that very first panel our very first story in the Doctor Who magazine ones that we read 
which is super truncated, is in Storm Cage as well. So it makes me wonder if somebody got their blinds ca- crossed when they were pitching these story ideas and they just went, okay, we'll just make it work. <laughs> well, and it, it definitely feels, it's obviously also a, the Storm Cage aspect is a sequel to yes. Missy's storyline that they did for her so it makes sense that titan would want to try to weave those two things together oh absolutely yeah right right down to the the fact that the the head guy you know thanks her again for uh, yeah that whole thing before but wasn't sure that she really needed to take the master off world but (laughs) (laughs) nice call back to one of our uh, favorite stories Mm mm-hmm um, I kind of like the setup for this one though, where she's, you know, trying to find her target and she suspects that, you know, um, well, I think it, who, who is it engages them first? Was it Missy that engaged them first? I think it was. And then Missy engages the cat people. Yes. Too. Right. That's what I meant. And then, uh, uh, doom ends up going into the room when they're actually breaking in and trying to steal whatever that jewel or gem or whatever it is. Uh, was that you know I certainly if they knew it was world ending would they still have stole it yeah probably but the perpetual topaz <laughs> yeah that was why they were stealing it wasn't it well because it was for somebody else though wasn't it, it wasn't for them they, yeah they I, I guess I assume that somebody, that's but yeah but I guess that's why I figured somebody that somebody wanted it was yeah. because it was world oh ending. no absolutely but I, my my point was would they have if they knew it was world ending, would they have stole it? But I think maybe they even say they it, it's just a job, or at least in so many words, they don't really yeah. care. But can, can can we talk about the absolute mad genius of making cat people cat burglars? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a bit. Their names. I thought it was a bit. I don't know. Contrite. <laughs> no, it, it, it's an idea so ludicrous. Only Doctor Who could pull it off. Yeah. It's you know the only Doctor Who could pull it off in a comic. You know, yeah, it's you know, just it the right. It wouldn't work on television. You know, because Cat no. Catwoman in Batman comics, you know, she didn't start out as a cat burglar either. So, oh wait, she did. She wasn't a literal cat. <laughs> well, I know, but <laughs> that's the difference. I think you're giving it too much credit. Um, <laughs> but then we end up at Stormcage, in which uh, she's got her next uh, target. And I thought this went really well too because she comes in. I mean, she's, I, I think I expected a different character, especially with the setup from uh, Suze Kempner in those um, that video that we watched. And I think that maybe Suze is going to play it when we actually get her portrayal uh, of the Doctor or of the Doctor of Doom. I think that she's going to play it maybe a little looser and funnier. But I really kind of by that video kind of thought maybe she was going to be an incompetent assassin, but she's really clever and really on the ball. And I really kind of like that about her. It's a different, different character than I expected going in. And so she, well, she's the, all the promotional stuff has called her the universe's best assassin. Right. Right. But which I, you know, I think is a downgrade for Brian, but you know, well, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Although I, I, Something that uh, I was watching, uh, one of my the other, uh, well, Doctor Who content YouTubers was talking about this um, particular series, and he said he had pointed out that Brian Lude was um, in the same organization, but in Time Lord Victorious, it's revealed that Brian killed all the rest of the assassins in the uh, 
uh, group. So I don't know if this is before or after mm-hmm. that because we're actually getting Brian the Ood in one of the stories later down the line. So I guess we'll, well see. Now I know how she's dying. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see. Because oh, maybe, Brian. maybe that is the, maybe he's the reason. Oh, that would be kind of a neat little turnaround callback. I agree with you, Glenn. I think this is the first. This is the doom that I think I wanted Mm -hmm. and didn't quite get in the the first couple of setup stories. Mm -hmm. And now I now I buy it. Now I believe that she is strong and competent and an assassin and not just kind of flitting her way through things looking for help. Um, so I, I, I appreciate that characterization um, in these so far. And can I, can, can we, I, I have to talk for a moment about the absurdity that I love um, with Missy adding the uh, 10 and three quarters tag to her hat <laughs> as the Mad Hatter. Well, for her mask, Followed by the fact <laughs> that she has a sonic fork. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Followed by the panel when Doom comes back to Stormcage and the master is watching TV <laughs> <laughs> screaming at you, pitiful canine, your mental capacity should far exceed that of any bird. <laughs> and there's an anvil on the screen. Yeah. And it took me a minute. Like I had to read it and then I had to reread it and then I had to look at the picture and then I had to reread it. And then it finally clicked what he was watching. Oh, you didn't pick up that it was the Coyote and Roadrunner right away? Not, not, not until I, I, I really had to struggle to do the math on that oh, one. No. But once I did get <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I, I laughed pretty hard. <laughs> because, do, of course, he would. I do find it interesting, yeah. though, that all the other references to the master enjoying kids shows, the kids shows are typically a BBC, or not BBC, but UK-based. And this is written by presumably is written by an American and they used an American kid show for this. So I didn't know if that was telling or if that was just like, you know, maybe a clever nod to maybe take it off continent or not. Yeah. Off continent for, (laughs) for this particular story. I don't know. Well, now we have to go full circle. And the next time we see the master in a prison watching TV, it has to be Wurzel Gumridge. Yeah. And he has to deliver a line, something about, you seem familiar, Scarecrow. <laughs> James Goss, get on that. That's kind of clever. Keith, you haven't said much. Well, I enjoyed all of this, but in the back of my mind, I have to th- wonder how essential Missy is to the overall story of this. It seems like she's just there to kind of be a gimmick and to chase doom and doesn't really do much or affect the overall story at all. No, she certainly doesn't affect the overall story. In fact, she's almost, she adds a bunch of humor and, you know, joy to the story. But other than that, it's kind of, mm. and it really, she's always right. Just a step behind, uh, doom as well and so yeah i think that's ultimately what she's there for is to be there and and say missyisms and <laughs> be clever and just kind of be that maybe even levity to i mean we're, we're again we're following an assassin that has that's jobs true. and they've been very clever about not having to make her be as ruthless as she potentially could be and all of her hits so far 
have been unsympathetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Unsympathetic targets. So, um, so far, and, and sometimes not even that she's has to kill an idea or she has to kill, you know, a, um, her target is a, a, a cyber woman. So, yeah. So I kind of wonder if maybe Missy is there to be, Hey, you know, doom can't in all that bad. Cause remember here's Missy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, here's somebody worse. That's right. Not acting worse is the thing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, but she also... But she Jody has such, uh, has such a grasp on Missy's voice that mm-hmm. it makes you enjoy it. And you don't realize it until the end that it's like, well, why was Missy even there? Yeah. Other no, than I to agree. have some fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think what kind of lends to this and yet also detracts from it is the fact that this is the Missy during her trying to be redemptive redemptive the her being doctor who yeah yeah where where she's not killing people she's not being as viciously malicious as she could be so she's been reduced pretty much to just verbal barbs and it's wonderful because they have the voice of missy down so well that she sounds like michelle gomez on the comic page Mm -hmm. but it's detrimental to missy's character in a way because the real Missy would have barbecued Doom long before now. You know, <laughs> she, would, she would have liquidated her for being insolent. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe would have been impressed enough with her panache that she would have offered her a companion gig, but probably would have just liquidated her. And so the fact that she can't because she's hamstrung by what she has promised the, yeah. the doctor that she's going to, to be good. I think it both works for it and against it. Yeah. Because we don't really get Missy. We we get the uh, uh, attempted revision of Missy. So it was also- Which, and I, I, I appreciated that when she got her own story. But now it's kind of like, well, if you want to be the doctor, if you want somebody to be there as a doctor, just have the wrong incarnation of the doctor be there because we've already done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it can just actually be the doctor interacting with doom when it's not the right doctor that she needs well and that's just it i think they're trying hard or maybe not so hard to not have her interact with the doctor too much because she's trying to track down the doctor oh but not this incarnation of the doctor her incarnation of the doctor and so if you keep running into the doctor it's like well any one of these doctors could have helped but I think maybe yeah. by do, injecting Missy here, you keep the 12th Doctor. And in the Unicorn story, we kept the third Doctor, you know, just out of reach. And so I think that's maybe what they're trying to do with some of these stories. So in that case, you put somebody in there like Missy that, you know, is somebody to bounce off of, but not necessarily have much to do with the plot overall. I think the other thing that was pointed out to me recently, and this is kind of pedantic and i'm not even sure it it works all that well but the but twice now we've had missy uh portraying herself as the doctor obviously in this redemption series but somebody pointed out that in the story the the cyberman story it seems like from the setup to that that this is the first time that she's come out of the out of the vault so you don't get the impression that she's had any of these sort of trial run, you know, expectations before, but that it's all pretty brand new when that, that she's doing this. Like that's her first test. And you know what I mean? When she shows up on the, the uh, Mondosian 
ship. So yeah, it doesn't. It almost kind of doesn't let these comics that we've done twice now with Missy work. But there have been worse. <laughs> there's been worse jiggery pokery, I guess, and <laughs> trying to get things to to stretch around timelines uh, in the past. But I thought it was interesting that yeah, it's it, it maybe does it maybe does fly in the face of that a little bit. I did appreciate the line um, right after seeing the master in his uh, his cage when uh, Missy walks off. Whoops. And uh, she says, Ugh, took far too many time travelers tracking their Artron energy absolutely everywhere. <laughs> and I kind of like the idea that there are certain areas of the cosmos that you just kind of give up on. You know, if you were a bounty hunter or uh, an assassin or the, and then you track your quarry and, of course, they go to ground. Well, how do they do that? Well, they, they would go to Earth or they would go to Stormgate or they would go to somewhere where time travelers hang out. And then the, the person chasing them is just like, uh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. Well, should we move on and tackle part two to this story, which is also called A Doctor in the House, part two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a separate synopsis no, for this. fine. I think that kind of set both of them up. Um, I think this one's equally as good. Um, it gets them to another place. She's looking for her next mark, essentially, because we're in different hours here, uh, taking her to this the. This is what, this is dimension. the one. This is the one thing that I had a problem with is sometimes I feel like writers tend to pander to fandom, and by that I mean they do things like this where, you know, oh I'm a cosplayer. I like conventions. Oh look, there are a bunch of cosplayers at this convention in this this book that I'm reading about. I mean, come on, yeah, it's. Sure, I, it's it's quasi meta clever, but on the other hand, I'm kind of how many times has it been done? Exactly, it kind of feels redundant. So I was a little upset with the setting for this one, but I think the I think the dialogue between Doom and Missy in this one is a lot better. I think there's it's it's crafted a little better and a little almost a little more fun because Missy is obviously just behind her in the first part of this story. And, um, so there's not a lot of interaction, but the interaction you get, I think they play off of each other a lot better because, you know, Missy's now kind of involving herself in what, or trying to involve herself what in what Doom's doing. I don't I fully understand her hit in this one. I don't think I've understood any of her hits in any of them. Just, <laughs> the, this person has to die. Okay, she kills them. You know, 
<laughs> Maybe they'll surprise me. We'll get to the end and find out they were all connected after all. But Well, wasn't this gal was something about she was going to destroy all these books or something that were in this? Yeah, she was going to destroy the books, which, you know, is we then lose our history. Right, and all of history. <laughs> I, I get the message, but it was like, okay. Yeah. I think the second half of this is a little better when she ends up on the planet with the, the guy who's like the last of the, of his species. And he's going to take everything with him as he, as he goes. <laughs> I, I love the, the whoever's line it is of pointing out, well, no one's going to remember you if you, if they're on fire, Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> which makes there sense. Were so many, there were so many good lines throughout this. Yeah. Um, when, uh, she uh, at first says, uh, you know, well, who better, where better to find the doctor than at a convention full of his deep love and abiding affection for this planet? And uh, uh, Missy responds with, oh, you know, a darkened alleyway, a quarry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of meta references. Yeah, I, don't know. Yeah. I did kind of chuckle at that. <laughs> well, and the nice thing about the second part with the, the guy is the fact that the perpetual topaz comes back into play. Mm, yeah. And they kind of tie up that. Well, this loose is, end. yeah, this is who they were <laughs> getting the thing for. Yeah. It must've been, um, the, uh, I think what I like about this best about this is Missy's put in a situation where she has to be, she has to, she has to uh, stop this as the doctor. And so she has this whole conversation with herself about, you know, well, what to do? See, I could. No, there's no blood allowed. Uh, maiming uh, probably still counts as violent. So I should leave the knives out in time. I mean, she's like, she's got all these great, like, things she could do as Missy, but that wouldn't be what the doctor would do. So she's going through yeah. this whole, you know, not even an inner monologue, an outer monologue about what she could do. And then the guy just, like, falls over dead. And we find out that, well, it's because Doom poisoned his tea and then she says which i thought was really cool he says well why didn't you poison my tea and she says you aren't the job and then she leaves she says you aren't the job yet and then she leaves and i was like wow that was really a kind of a cool ending to this (laughs) it really proves how competent doom is Mm -hmm. and makes me like Doom more as a character well it's more Mm -hmm. to that exhibition for missy too because it really is within her character to go through all of those different things in her head and then realize, you know, well, no, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, makes her ineffective in this story, but at least she's there for some really great dialogue. Yeah, that's true. And it was really this ending that made me go, well, she was not needed in this, but other than for enjoyment and for fun. Well, she was a distraction too, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was very much a matter of let's take somebody who we know is, uh, you know, kind of a badass and use them as a foil for our new character to prove that our new character is, in fact, also a badass, mm-hmm. even if it comes <laughs> at the expense of the, the original. Yeah. But um, ultimately, at the end of the day, nothing happened. We didn't advance the story any. We crossed off a couple more. Nope, it's not that doctor. Uh, <laughs> you know, so we're, we're still right back to where we got, you know, at the, at the beginning so that, you know, I, I'm sensing a pattern. Each installment is going to be, well, there's going to be a murder and a previous companion slash 
uh, you know, problem uh, of the doctors that Doom's going to interact with until mm-hmm. we get to the end and they kind of reveal what's up. But yeah. at least the ride has been enjoyable thus far. So yeah, I'm, I'm willing to let them spin their wheels a little bit longer. I don't think there's yeah, been a lot true. of substance, like heavy substance to this, but it's been kind of fun um, so far. I'm hoping that, that some of the stories get a little meatier and get a little bit more, you know, involved but so far i've i've enjoyed it well maybe there better up, be a lot more meat in that book may, maybe up until our next uh, maybe up until that our book next better not be all fluff maybe until our next installment which um also That's released this week in fact this weekend we just came off the event um was um and i'm still going to call it ai am the doctor because it's still being referred to that even though in the game it's nowhere to be found that really clever name, but Doomsday Part 1 released from uh, Doctor Who Lost in Time, which is the mobile game by uh, Eastside Games, and I'm pretty sure you don't have a synopsis for this one. I do. Oh, well, go ahead. A haven for cybernetic life forms is under attack, and only the Doctor and Canine can stop it, with some help from Doom. I'm going to be the first, I'm going to come out of the gate admitting this. I know that Chameleon's in this story. I know Chameleon's in this story from the get-go because there was a little tease before it dropped. And then he's like the picture when you open the event, very first thing. And I didn't... the character you can earn. I didn't... That's the main thing. Yes. And I didn't figure... (laughs) Even while she's talking to him, I did not figure out that the doctor was actually Chameleon until the reveal... Well, until Doom started piecing it together. And I thought... How come I didn't figure that out? I feel really stupid for such well, a so, for such a weak. Um, it's not a weak story. It was it was a fine story. I mean, it was an okay story, short and small. Yeah, but for such a story, thin story. Let's put it that way. For such a thin story, I felt kind of goofy that I didn't figure that out right away. I didn't figure it out right away either. But that I think is mostly because previous events in this game. The characters and the images of the characters that you see for the events usually Don't have, have had to do with it? nothing to do with yeah. the story. So, like last weekend, I unlocked Perry, and it had nothing, nothing to do to with do Perry with in yeah. the entire story. Yeah. So the fact that it was Chameleon just... I didn't bat an eye at it because, mm. oh, that's just another character, right? They got, so they're going to include them in this game because they can. And it's a cool classic doctor reference to include. I didn't expect for <laughs> the doctor to be actually chameleon. Yeah. That's my reason too. Forget yeah, everything I said. That's my reason. <laughs> I, I didn't, I guess I didn't give the game stories enough credit. Well, in, 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 in fairness, even even the here's the reason this companion is with this companion in this place in game have been doesn't really make sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's it's been fly and, on the wall loose, and they play very uh, fast and loose with the cannon with this the whole game. It you know it's a game, so it automatically it gets put into this section of canon. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, I also did not see the reveal coming until it was there. But I will also freely admit that, unlike the rest of you, uh, I, I had to uh, read on the... Uh, I, I was given the benefit of 
reading just the story bits and not suffering through the gameplay because <laughs> I'm sorry, East End, I've already given up on your uh, on your mobile game. Uh, I was not enjoying my time spent in the in the Doctor Who world there. So yeah, it's not for everyone. And in fact, there are, there's a lot of people that have been kind of bailing on it, which is sad because I actually I enjoy it, but I, I enjoy it as a as a slow paced leisure game that I can kind of do. There's been things that have been frustrating that's made me mad. Um, there are things about the game that we could go really into that, you know, maybe we should someday revisit the game and, and talk about mm-hmm. some of the flaws in it, but uh, this isn't where that is. So, <laughs> um, yeah, dealing but, with just- and, and to the same extent, they have gone lately and to some distance to fixing my issues with the game. So I've had yeah. a lot, a lot yeah. less complaints lately than I have leading up to whatever they're like, whatever their update was two times ago when they added new episodes since that point i've not really had any issues with the game and they haven't uh fixed my double punch glip glitch yet so i'm still happy oh see (laughs) we can't complain too loud that's right (laughs) (laughs) it's been all over the place now i'm I'm surprised they haven't fixed it yet um uh, having said that because i was not exposed to the in-game artwork that spoils the fact that chameleon is part of this chapter when it did happen it was like oh cool uh and you know it was it was a nice little well you have an even better excuse (laughs) yeah um (laughs) i think the the thing that i struggled with this and this is typical of of the past gameplay it is very much redundant on its scenes and it's very much not a lot. I mean, you don't get any action in this game. Every once in a while, you'll get a cutaway of, you know, the TARDIS dematerializing. You know, you'll get the, a cutaway of another, you know, scene or, or or characters will change the other direction. But there's not a lot of, you know, visually, there's not a lot of change. But I really feel like they phoned that part in on this one because there's mm-hmm. virtually nothing but the two scenes. You've got the scenes with you know, the Dr. Canine or Chameleon Canine. And then you've got the scenes with um, Doom. And it's not until it's revealed to us later, because neither Keith nor I got this scene. um, When Doom actually leaves at the end, do we see a different location? And so I was really kind of disappointed that every time I came back to the story, I was seeing this exact same scenes with just one change, which was Chameleon, instead of this the uh the doctor so i i that was one of my biggest complaints with it i if they even if they had just moved away to a different scene once or twice through this whole thing i probably wouldn't have been as bothered by it but it really kind of felt lazy that they just kept to those two shots yeah and the fact that there was not really a lot of context for what was really happening. Other, had I known this synopsis going into it, it probably would have also made a little sense initially. Well, I kind of needed somebody to explain to me what the heck was going on because I was I understood that K nine was wanting help with these pirates that were coming to steal parts from these droids because now only droids live on this planet. I did like the idea that Doom picked up on the uh, on the uh, concept that when you see a <laughs> a um, only droid planet you kind of sort of assume that Wonder maybe the happened. droids took maybe the robots took over <laughs> um but i these pirates are coming to to savage these or scavenge these parts scavenge these parts from these robots from this robot planet 
but I don't know why. I mean, they kind of say why, but, and then because they're the scarlet something, she painted stuff. I don't, I didn't understand that. I got really lost in the middle of this. They, they were the scarlet scavengers. Yeah. So she figured I'm going to paint some of these scrap metal pieces red. Right. So that they will have a theme for their ships. Oh, so. That will appeal to them. <laughs> That was the whole. Well, that's just dumb. That's how she resolved it. <laughs> yep. That yeah, was that's the whole thing. They, that's the problem. They stole the junk instead of the robots. I, I had no idea what the the resolution was until you just said that. So she uh, pulled a Doc Brown. She stole the plutonium and gave them a shoddy pinball casing <laughs> for you parts. And that was it. <laughs> and not even an assassination. Yeah, so. I'll tell you, I, as somebody that plays this game, it was fun to have this cutaway for sure because as keith was saying there's there's a lot of times that you're on a especially these side quests where which was one of the other things that that annoyed me about this was we got chameleon great with new card but we didn't get doom and this was doom's event so i'm hoping yeah, I'm because assuming we're gonna get it in the next yeah one. i'm hoping because there's another one another part coming um, that will get her with that one. But I, I was a little disappointed that she wasn't one of the keep characters. Well, and the other nice thing about this event was the fact that it made me actually stop and pay attention to the story again, because yeah. now that I'm done with the episodes, all the events I've gone through several times at this point, yeah, and they're just redundant. I've read the stories. Yeah. And so it, it actually made me pause and it's something new and ref- and fresh for the game to have. Yeah. I agree with that. Yep. Other than just new characters to unlock. I kind of hope they'll do that a little more. They'll realize that that's, you know, of course maybe there's a lot going on when you're trying to put, I mean, clearly they don't, they having to work hard on episodes because we keep running out of episodes. Right. So they're there. You could tell there must be focused on that. So that's why we continue to get the redundancy of the events, but this, yeah, I, I'm well, with and, you. It was kind of nice to, break away and actually get something different and i want to say that the the last weekend's events where the doctor is recounting his past regenerations that was only the second time i've had that one so they are doing new events occasionally mm. yeah this, so I, i'm assuming the, this doomsday one will show back up again too was that the one with the surgeon who was disguised yeah the medic yeah the medic medic medic, medic. yeah for anybody that hasn't played that one i won't spoil who it is yeah, that, that was kind of a fun story. Mm-hmm. And I expect, I, I guess I also, that one had so many cutscenes and so much mm. plot to it that, well, I mean, I guess not really, not really, but there was a lot, seemed like there's a lot more to that than there was to this. And I am a little disappointed that there wasn't more to this story yeah. and more going on there. Well, that one felt like there was more to it because it was kind of almost a nice little nostalgic callback you know is just remembering different incarnations and and what happened in a lot of those just those little references so that was kind of enjoyable so maybe that felt made it feel like there was more to it yeah that's true but also this one you know i assume they kept the story short just in case people didn't get to progress as far away as through it so that they would get almost all the story Whereas the other ones, you got to make sure you get through the story all the way through it or mm-hmm. as far as you can to get um, all yeah. the story. So I Which, think that was, they pro- probably tried to play to some of the less hardcore players so that 
those people dipping in to do just the events would be more likely to get the full story. Yeah, that's a good point. I did see some people still complain that you had to uh, play at least a certain amount of the episodes in order to get to the event to unlock it. So that's it's too bad they didn't take that lock off there for the for the interim so that people could just jump in and play. But then again, I think maybe to their advantage, they want people to play the main game and understand it and maybe it's going to help you advance through the yeah too, and it's so. and it, maybe it would be appealing enough for them to come back rather than just this one-off story they did um so i could i can see why they did it but there was a lot of people i i saw in social media that was upset with that fact well and now they'll be done and ready for the next event that's right they won't have to worry, <laughs> they won't have to worry about those episodes <laughs> anything else on uh ai i'm the doctor that's such a clever name. Why wasn't it in the it is game? A very fun. It's, it's, that also kind of gives away. Well, I suppose that's too. true. Yeah, maybe that's why they felt they wouldn't do it. You were invited on an adventure across all of time and space in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. This is Tim Trelaw. This is David J. Howe. I'm Peter Purvis. I am Sadie Miller. This is Lauren Cornelius. Larry, it's Fraser. For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world and beyond, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I'm Larry Van Mersberg, and your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. All right, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, we're going to return to our look at Season 6B, Part 4. At least that's what we're calling it internally, with uh, uh, the second cool. Doctor Adventures 2, uh, Robert James McCrimmon. Ooh. <laughs> I'm excited. And presumably... James Robert McCrimmon. James, James Robert, Robert. I said Robert Pres- James, didn't I? Presumably, it's going to be how the doctor and Jamie were reunited for the events of season six B. So hopefully presumably, presumably. then we're going to do another toy maker adversary archive for our 60th anniversary tie-ins. We will look at uh, companion chronicle uh, number. Let's see season four, number 12, which is solitaire from big finish. We will read the story of the toy maker, which is uh, a poem in the Now We Are 600 from James Goss and Russell T. Davies. And then Endgame is a comic in Doctor Who magazine. All those feature the toy maker, and we will be covering them. And then, as Glenn said, we'll have more Doomsday stuff as it gets released uh, and more uh, more ones in future from Big Finish when it comes out. All part of our Let's Celebrate Everything Doctor Who going into the 60th. Exciting stuff. All right, well, if you uh, want, you can find us at our uh, website, travelingthevortex.com. If you ever uh, 
need to go there and get the podcast from there. They, all of our shows are on there. There's also, if you're a uh, member of uh, our patron, uh, we have our episodes or our not our episodes but our uh, special audios actually go up to our website as well if you're a patron you can unlock them and get them straight from there if, if you don't want to you can go straight to our patreon link and if you're supporting us again you get special audios from us uh sean's got a star trek uh, another star trek coming up here pretty soon uh, in fact i think it's releasing later this week so stand by for that and of course, you know, it just takes $1 to unlock those materials. Uh, we, we ask for more. We, we, you know, we need to keep this going. So we do rely on our uh, listeners and we especially rely on our uh, patron supporters. Um, so anything that you can help us out with, you know, certainly we, we would appreciate it. Uh, also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to the podcast to make sure you join us in the conversations all across social media. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on X x now officially. i'm sorry for now you can find us on x for now and um you can find us on tiktok as well so look us up anything else we need to uh do before we close this episode if not until next time i'm glenn i'm sean i'm keith <laughs> you're still giggling cheers i'm still giggling <laughs> good night everybody be seeing you Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.